This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash for the love. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. And you think God put a promise on your life. You think he gave you vision for something he'd call you to do. And then suddenly you're going, it blew up in my face. And you're thinking it's all done and over. And now you're just going to, you know, just somehow exist in meaninglessness where your faith walk is concerned. And you don't understand. No, no, no. It's because you were producing fruit. He does not prune a branch that does not produce fruit. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. Guys, it's time to spring back with Beth Moore this week. As I give you some new thoughts, you guys, related to the topic of making courageous changes in your life and share some wisdom from the wonderful, incredible, the very, very great, beloved Beth Moore taken from our chat with her last year. Hey, everybody, friends of the For the Love podcast, I want to welcome you to our Spring Back series. Well, we're going to be going back to the past, springing back in time, as it were, and delving into a handful of archives of literally some of our greatest podcast moments with some of mine and your favorites. These are the folks who absolutely laid down some truth on us back in the day. And then what we have noticed is that what they said, what we talked about has, it's so salient for right now. It's, it's even more powerful 
perhaps, in today's moment than maybe it even was originally. And we wanted to bring them back forward with us a lot of new <laughs> additional commentary because not only are they evergreen, they have fresh new meaning now. So today's guest in particular has had a lot happen since she and I talked a little over a year ago. And I have to say, and I mean this so sincerely, I have never, ever been prouder to know her, to love her, to be loved by her. And if you've been around me long enough, you know she has loved me relentlessly <laughs> and consistently for years. I mean, through all my rocky years, right? And so in some ways, she has been quietly, gently considering the faith structure she grew up in, where she kind of first found her voice, where honestly she built her whole ministry. And in other ways, she has been loudly <laughs> standing against political figures or spiritual leaders that seemingly have condoned abusive behavior toward women, toward people of color, toward immigrants, and sadly, but predictably, you guys, that was a stand not well-received by most of her contemporaries. Our friend, our girl, Beth Moore, she had the guts, and I mean the guts, to call it out. Not only that, she's shown a light, golly, this work. She's shown a light on some of the accusations toward sexual abuse that have been happening in the church for decades, you guys, decades where the voices of victims have been shamed and silenced and abusers have been protected and promoted, right? And I'm just telling you, even though we could just look at it on its face and say, that's the right thing to do, but that advocacy took courage. Of course it did. Her particular denomination and others like it have a long history of being unwilling to pull up a seat of ownership to their own table and say, we got this wrong. We failed. We caused harm. We are, we repent. We are sorry. We are changing. I mean, that's what you, I would love to see from the people of God, but we generally see the opposite. But Beth Moore, y'all, she had the integrity and the bravery to call it out. And not only that, I don't know if you know this, but to put it mildly, Beth, same here, guys, me too, same, was, let's just say, not a fan of our last president and of the ways in which he spoke about women and people of color and immigrants and the poor and really just people in general, like just all humans. And she really had the tenacity, and I think that's the right word, as a member of a community of faith who in large percentage were fans, to point it all out, this problematic behavior, this absolutely like abusive and harmful language, and then even to question others who not only seem to be okay with all this blatant sexism and nationalism, but we're in lockstep, right? We're in support. It was a really big deal, really big deal. I actually love this quote from her. She said what so many wouldn't. 
And this, you guys, I'm about to get, read you something she wrote. This was before any insurrection had occurred, right? She wrote this on Twitter, uh, like a foreboding warning, almost prophetic. She said, I do not believe these are the days for mincing words. I'm 63 and a half years old, and I have never seen anything in these United States of America I have found more astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God than Trumpism. This Christian nationalism is not of God. Move back from it. Ooh, like, I mean, go off, right? Go off. Like, if perhaps her dissent, really all of our dissent, maybe started kind of on the fringes, ancillary, like our little alarm bells going off and we're kind of raising our little white flags, eventually it was on the nose. <laughs> like, talk about not mincing words, right? And of course, when Beth made the decision to step away from her denomination, her forever denomination, where she is its anchor, <laughs> I don't think I'm exaggerating. Of course, my phone starts blowing up because our friendship, mine and Beth's, is, is very storied. Some people absolutely love it. Some people absolutely hate it. <laughs> she gets crap for being my friend. I sometimes get crap for being her friend. Whatever. We just can't please everybody. But... It doesn't matter because it's true and genuine and it's based in real and sincere love for one another. And when I tell you the way that she has loved me and stood with me and by me through it all, I'm not joking. I mean, I have receipts. So of course my phone starts blowing up, Jen, oh my gosh, what do you think about Beth? And you know what, this is a really big deal. And so I spoke to one of our shared mutual friends, a, a female journalist, and I said this, while there are a thousand ways we can robustly degree, disagree as people of faith, there are and should be deal breakers. And Beth saw those so clearly. The defense of white supremacy, patriarchal abuse, moral bankruptcy, the crushing of human souls for proximity to power. So many of us have defected from those ranks already because too many of its faithful adherents can no longer stand by while this denomination denies racism, protects abusers, silences women, and destroys the lives of LGBTQ people. So here's something I want to add to that, because as somebody who is also obviously defected, if you will, or whatever, people who walk away, who push on the hierarchies, on the power structures, on the power differentials, on the injustice of some of those man-made religious systems. We're called, of course, heretics, that like low-hanging trope. Our faithfulness is called into question. Our credibility is denied as obedient people of faith. But the truth is, what I have seen in my life is that those who ultimately walk away these are some of the most faithful people I've ever known. It is because of their faith. It is because of their absolute loyalty to Jesus, to the ways of Jesus, to the ways in which he told us to move through this earth, that we have to walk away from some of the structures that men built around him, right? That's it. It's not because, it is not a lack of faithfulness. It is, it's honor, and it's because we refuse to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so many, many, many incredibly faithful people have, done, have made the same choice, have walked, and they are finding Jesus in different places 
and inside different communities. And it's real and it's good and it's true. So, you know, I've been a, I guess, a follower, if you will, of Beth long before being a follower was even a thing. Her her teachings inspired me as a young woman, as a mom, as a Christian. I didn't grow up with lady preachers. I didn't know that was a thing. I, I never saw a woman in a pulpit. I never saw a woman open up the Bible and preach for an hour. And so, of course, Beth wasn't allowed to do that inside churches because she was a lady and she wasn't granted the authority to do it, but she did it in arenas. Preaching's preaching, right? I would just remember sitting under her work in the 90s, just going, what is this? Is this possible? Like, can we do this? Because as you know, I've had a fire shut up in my bones, especially in my 20s, you know, before I really knew that my authority came from God and I didn't have to ask a man permission. So I'm watching this little gal with her big hair going, wow. Look at this. Look at what's possible. You know, she founded Living Proof Ministries in 1994. Can you even think about the social and religious structures from 94? But here's what I want you to know. From the very beginning, Beth's whole mission has been to encourage women to know and love Jesus and find healing and redemption through a great love of Scripture. And y'all, not an ounce of that has ever wobbled. That has been her through line all the way to this living day. It is her vision for her life, for the people of God, and not a single one of these recent moves that we're talking about here has ever moved her off that center. If anything, it's moved her into it. If anything, it's it's Beth pulling into the center of her faith and unable to just sit idly by while the centrifugal rings around it drift further and further away. She's still carrying the same torch she carried from the beginning. So I don't know, some of you who know and follow Beth may have sensed some rumblings, right? If you have eyes and ears, maybe first in the form of her early opposition to the overall misogynistic and abusive behavior from our country's leaders and in our churches which has now played out in her recent decision to separate from her denomination that she was raised in because it just doesn't align with her view of Jesus and his love anymore. It's just really that simple. And now in her decision to separate, along with issuing a very powerful, very meaningful public apology for any contribution she had toward the idea of complementarianism, which is this notion that her denomination and many others ascribe to, which essentially champions male headship and female submission. That is a reductionist explanation, but at its core, that's what it is. Men first, always. Women second. That is what it is. Men always in leadership. Men's voices matter. Men are in charge of church. Men are in charge of home. Men are in charge of women. So that's that's complementarianism. Women don't have any of their own authority. So if you are new (laughs) to the whole Christian evangelical world thing, oh gosh, Lord have mercy. First of all, let me just say this real quick. This isn't news, but I don't identify evangelical anymore. Years ago, I separated myself from that label simply because it has no meaning anymore. It's now, I don't even know what it means in culture. It's so linked to nationalism and whiteness and misogyny and homophobia. And so whatever it meant originally, it's not what it means now. I do not identify with that at all. 
and who cares? It's not even a real word. We made it up. It's not, it's not a sacred word. I have no love loss for it. And I never had any real loyalty to it. So it doesn't feel like I've really walked away from anything profound or sacred, but I just, the cultural understanding of that term now is so corrupted that I just would never put that, you know, I'd never hang that shingle out again. But anyways, if you're new to it, let me tell you, this is a really big deal. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. Kate Bowler, who has also been a guest on our show, incredible. Kate is top drawer. Kate is top notch. Stop what you're doing real quick and go follow her because she is just a wonderful teacher in our time. Kate's a historian at Duke Divinity School. And she said, Beth Moore is one of the most popular evangelists in the world. (laughs) Outside the Southern Baptist Convention, who can name another Southern Baptist right now? (laughs) Right? Right? So ironically, even though women have no authority in the SBC, the most famous Southern Baptist in the universe is Beth Moore, a girl. Let's also not forget to mention that when Beth's reaction to her contemporary support of our last president was one of, same as me, utter bewilderment, and then ultimately outrage, she put herself on the line, knowing full well, look, guys, we know how this works. We knew, she knew that her book sales would suffer. She knew that tons of her previously devoted audience would stop following her, would stop attending her conferences. She was right on all counts, but she stood in her integrity. She had to, it's who she is. She had to. And I'm just telling you that to butt up against such a long held tenet in evangelical spaces that uses a doctrine to often suppress women, well, it just didn't sit well with folks accustomed to their places of power right? Whether that was the men or the women who are absolutely committed to protecting misogyny and that level of disproportionate hierarchy inside the family of God. Guess what? Absolutely nobody is going to tell my girl Beth Moore to sit down. It just isn't going to work. It just isn't going to work. I'm just proud of her. I'm proud of her. What this latest leadership means to me from her is that she's exactly who I thought she was, that she's trustworthy, that she's good. Her integrity cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken by peer pressure. It cannot be shaken by hatred. It cannot be shaken by bullying, by being canceled, by being called literally every name in the book, every name in the book, because her allegiance is to Jesus and that's it. I mean, everything I just said, however long that was, I'm going to reduce it down to that. Beth's allegiance is to Jesus, the end. And it's been an honor to watch, honestly, in a time for me, at least, when so many leaders have disappointed me. And even, I'm going to go so far to say I felt betrayed to watch a leader stand in her honor, in her faithfulness. I'm like, oh, thank God it's real. Like, there's hope here yet, right? There's hope here yet. And I want to say something to those of you listening who maybe you are sitting in some private tension, spiritual tension, maybe something that you were handed or taught or told all along no longer feels true to you. Maybe it even feels destructive. Maybe you're looking around going, I don't think this is real. I don't think this is right. And you are pressing on that, I want to say, take heart. 
be courageous. Do not be afraid of your own questions. Here's the good news. Right in the center of the thing, the Jesus part, that's going to hold. Don't you worry about it. We can't crumble that. We're not powerful enough for that. But it is right and good to deeply examine some of the man-made structures we have wrapped around him. That's good work, not bad work. You're not a heretic. You're not faithless. You're doing what every wise and good, faithful person and generation has done before us. It's just our turn. It's our turn to look at what we've built, what we've created, what we have put in cement and ask, is this really true? Is this really good? I can tell you my metric. I always look to the fruit. That's my deal. So no matter what we've been told or taught, and no matter how many people have said, this is the thing, this is right, this is the only way, let's look to, let's look to the fruit. If it produces bad fruit, it's bad. The end. If somebody tells us this thing is good and right and true, but what we see on the other end of it is harm, suicide, pain, injustice. If we see racism, if we see the support of white supremacy, if we see it breaking apart hearts and families and homes, if it causes people great pain, if it is abusive, hi, it's bad. It's bad fruit. I don't care who says it's good. And by the way, pay attention to who's saying it's good. I guarantee you they are not on the receiving end of that bad fruit, right? Flip side, if what we have been told or taught is saying this thing is bad, it's categorically bad, there's no honor in it, there's no God in it, it's not godly, there's no Jesus in this, but what we see with our eyes is good fruit, we see flourishing, we see joy, we see faithfulness and obedience, we see community, we see healing and redemption, it's good fruit, right? Again, Who's telling us it's bad? All right, just my little mini sermon, but that's how I determine. I didn't make that up. Jesus gave us that tip. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus was like, here's how you know. Here's how you know how something actually operates in the world. What does it produce? Easy. All right. I thought it would be wonderful to revisit my conversation with Beth that we had back in January of 2020, which shows the consistent heart of love this woman has, her very deep knowledge of scripture and how it applies to us today, this living day, and her unshakable desire for every human being to find their way into this community of faith where they are cherished, where they are absolutely beloved. Like if you don't know Beth, well, gosh, I mean, she's written millions and millions of best-selling books and Bible studies. She and Keith, her husband, live in the Houston area. She has two grown daughters, Amanda and Melissa, both friends of mine. And she is a delighted grandmother as well. She also has a neighbor donkey called Donk. And I hope you follow her on Instagram because you'll get to see lots of pictures of Donk. She's been a guide for decades. Faithful one. A faithful one. And I just cannot wait to see what this new moment of leadership looks like. I'm watching with bated breath. I cannot wait to see what comes of it. I'll tell you this right now. It's going to be good fruit. So let's spring back to our interview with Beth Moore and reflect a little bit about the biblical concept of the vineyard. Oh, I loved this conversation the first time around and how vines grow in rocky places. You guys, this is so salient, not just for her, but for me. And how God prunes us and prepares us for change that comes with those chapters of growth. Here she is, Beth. Talk a little bit. There's so much. It's just, it's packed with like beautiful um, metaphors and there's so much to learn from 
the vineyard. There's so much to learn. Oh, and so. It was already written out for us in the Bible, and then you helped kind of bring it to life and bring it to our modern ears. Can you just pick a couple of things, a couple of your favorite things that you loved, your, that you just that you were so excited to discover or touch or experience or teach? Like there's there's so much in here, so I want you to pick what you I loved. loved I, I'm going to say one that I that I thought was really wonderful, and then one that is harder, but I think people need to hear it. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk uh, for just a moment, first of all, on placement, because it, we connect very heavily with Isaiah's passage in Isaiah chapter five, because it's mm-hmm. a spectacular part where Isaiah, I've got to tell you, I am so um, goofy, Jen, this will not, ex- this will not surprise you at all, that I just got chill bumps on my arms because this is how much I love these passages, yes. because there's this part where Isaiah breaks out in song in the fifth chapter. And he says, I will sing a song of the vineyard. I will sing for my beloved. And his beloved is God. And so he's singing to God about God's vineyard. And he says, um, my beloved planted his vineyard on a very fertile hill. And uh, so it's one it's one way we begin talking about what, um, what in viticulture is called. And I'll I'll butcher the French, but terroir, which is a word that means placement. It is, it's, it's a sense of place. And so it's very, very important to the vineyard and very, very important when it comes to the branches of the vine. This is what I would want somebody listening to understand that you, you have been planted Mm. in a place where you might think to yourself, this is the worst soil ever. Listen, if God has you there, that, that, that soil is fertile. Mm. It just it just doesn't seem like it is. It's that he's got to do the miracle underground. He's got to mm-hmm. do the miracle in the um, in the energy, the life force of the the vine to the branch. You you got to mm. learn how not to let anything constrict the life that is between um, Christ Jesus and mm. us through the Spirit. But but that placement to make sure that it's in the best possible way to get uh, to get the sun that it needs. The way that the vine dresser goes in and make sure, and I love this part, Jen, that if there is a real heavy, heavy cluster that is just crushing down and the sun can't even get to the one and under it, man, it's go- they're either, either going to lop that thing off or they're going to pick it up and put it on the trellis and uh, and tie it up where that which is under, it's kind of the idea of even a, the players in a symphony, all of them have to be seated where they can see the conductor. And in a grapevine, all of the branches and clusters, they've got to have the sunshine. They've got to have the um, the soil and, and just the right mixture of rain. And what killed me when I say in the book that it had me, I, I was already intrigued. I would have already thought it was beautiful. But when I was done, when I was just, I mean, it was like over for me. I, I was in a romance forever is because our driver, our taxi driver said, um, she, she spoke very, very little English. And she told us when we got in, she goes, Oh, I love to have Americans because I can practice my English. Sure. And so one of the things that she said is she said the, she said the grapes, she said, they love the rocky soil. Mm. They love the rocky soil. And mm. Jen, I swear to you, 
I've never been able to get my life out of the rocks. Mm, And I don't know why. These are questions I'll ask the Lord when I get there. But yes, it is seasonal to some degree in between hard and excruciating. And I think I'm not going to live till morning. Yes, there is some variance in there. But Jen Hatmaker, for the life of me, I cannot look over my shoulder and think to myself, now that was an easy season. I can't. It's just, I I guess, you know, I was was so messed up and from such an unstable home and, oh, I could just go on and on and just, you could play the violin for me and I could get us both all choked up and all. But the truth of it is when it comes down to it, I thought I found my, I have found my fruit. That's it. Because all I've ever had is rocky soil. Yeah. So there's there's that. And now let me say on the mm. hard part, because somebody is listening just for this right here. The pruning process, when when the gar when the vine dresser goes mm. to prune it, listen, the the branch to the branch would be sitting there thinking, You're killing you're destroying me. Yes, that's how it feels. Yes. Hmm. And you think God put a promise on your life. You think he gave you vision for something he'd call you to do. And then suddenly you're going, it, I mean, it blew up in my face Hmm. and you're thinking, you're thinking it's all done and over. And now you're just gonna, you know, just somehow exist in meaninglessness, Hmm. um, where your faith walk is concerned and you don't understand. No, no, no. It's because you were producing fruit. He can, he does not prune a branch that does not produce fruit. You That's can great. check it out for yourself. He comes, he starts clipping on it, and it thinks it's dying. Do you know that the only reason why a grapevine ever produces a single grape is because it's under so much stress it thinks it's dying? It wow. has, it's reproduced itself. If a if the soil conditions are good for a grapevine, they will produce leaves, 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 leaves. Oh, they'll be bushy and leafy, but they only reproduce themselves with grapes when they're scared they're not going to survive. And so it, it's just nuts. And so I need you to know who are listening. Girl, your life is not over. Your ministry is not over. Your calling did not come and go. He has cut you back so that you can increase your fruitfulness. That is what, you know, Jen, my big thing with y'all, you know, because I've harassed you to no end through the years because I don't want you young women. And I would say the same thing about our young men. I don't want y'all to get frustrated or get discouraged and quit because it will feel like I cannot endure this any longer. And you just have to hang in there with Jesus until you can catch your breath again. Yes. Yes. You know, to that, to that exact idea, um, you talked about in order for us to flourish, of course, like you're just describing, um, the way God intends, the way he will prune us, he'll just have his way that our active participation is required, as you say. And so I want to talk about that because, um, uh, there's a little bit of a, a faith narrative that exists. Um, I know I've definitely uh, received this messaging sometimes. I've probably been a terrible participant and doling it out in ways. Um, I mean, that's just, I'll, I'll just get, to, I'm going to go straight to heaven and just walk right up to Jesus and be like, look, here are the things I'm sorry about. Oh, me um, too. Yeah, me I too. just have a whole list. But it's kind of this idea that that God's, 
work in our life is um, just going to be, uh, it's going to have an ease to it. It's always going to have a gentleness to it. It is, it is always going to have a win baked inside of it. Um, it you know, it's, it's going to seem crystal clear even. There's a, that, I've definitely I've definitely reset that lie. It's always going to seem this is obvious. This is what God wants for me. Um, and so like in real life, in real faith, in a, in a real relationship, how do we participate in God's work in our lives and our, in his plan for our lives without imagining or just duping ourselves into thinking, but this is just going to be some real, real lovely skating. And that's how I'll know it's right. Cause it's just going to, it's just going to skate along. Jen, I don't know. One of the mysteries to me is how we got away with this theology. I don't know I guess it got mixed up with the fact that because many of those that were in our nation and in our and in leadership and in government were um, that was very uh, a Christian at at least by name and um, by. Uh, by perspective that I, I don't, and that the fact that then America was so prosperous that it all got wound in together. And so I, I think that's probably where it came from, because even though a lot of us want to say, well, there's the prosperity goes, well, here's what you need to understand. Yes, there's certainly that. And, and, um, and we want to steer as far as we can away from it, or we're going to go into a ditch. But there, but for to some degree, most of the American church buys in to a prosperity gospel of sorts. That Agreed. if we do, you okay? Yes. I'm, I'm so glad. So, so I. But here's the mystery: we did not get that from Scripture. No, and so I don't know. I don't know how we get what we did. We've done this. We have come up with this based on circumstantial evidence because this was considered to be um, uh, religiously speaking, a Christian nation and it prospered. Therefore, if you are a Christian, you will prosper wrong, wrong. If you look in Matthew 10 and Luke 10 and somebody's going, man, I want to turn off this podcast. No, I want you to listen to it because here's what I'm going to tell you. Do not tell me that at the end of the day, what we're about to talk about is not what compels you instead of repels you. What is not compelling is I'm going to sign up for something that's just going to automatically give me whatever is considered to be American success. And that's all there is to it. I'm bored stiff by it. I'm absolutely bored stiff by it. But when you tell me that Jesus has said to me, come and die and follow me, I will give you a life you could not have anticipated. I will give you a fellowship and a communion in it that you did not know was possible. I, you will walk out this thing with me half the time, having no idea where you are going, reaching out your hand and hoping I've got it. And I not only have it, I have the whole person of you. This whole thing you sign up for, Matthew 10 and Luke 10 both say, listen, you will, you'll be hated. Yes. There'll be people that will not accept you. That's right. Uh, he went, he told me, he said, you'll, you be arrested. 
uh, persecuted. Some of you will be put to death. Uh, there are going to be places where you're going to be thrown out. Uh, there are going to be you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to have people withhold things from you strictly because uh, you follow me. He said yes. all of these things, and it's all over it. When yeah. you look at the life of Paul, he's going. You know, this many times I've been shipwrecked. Of course. Listen, we didn't get um, uh, thirty nine lashes this morning. We're doing good. Yes. Uh, where the New Testament's concerned. So um, this it was. It was never told to us. We've done that to ourselves, that we've rewritten the narrative. And what we did to it is we really took, we took the faith out of it. Mm. Uh, We took the whole, everything that would have caused us, been the catalyst for us to abide in this glorious Savior and know, man, I'm going to have to live in him because I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, I don't know, Lord. I, okay, Jen, perfect example. So I'm on a walk with him a couple of months ago, and I, I look up toward heaven, and I say to him, I hope you know where we're going. <laughs> because I said, I, honestly, Lord, I have no idea where this road you have me on is about to take me. And I hope one of us, right. I hope one of us. <laughs> As an idea here, you know, great. and this, this is life, but it's also why again this morning, you know, Jen, I was up with him and mm. I'm mesmerized by him and he's yeah. mysterious to me. And, and, you know, it doesn't, please know if you're wrestling with him and if you're just grappling with him, listen, I, I, I beg you to tell me anything that is much more intimate than wrestling. If you're yeah. wrestling with God, you're, you, it's a, you can't wrestle with, it's how full on hands on. You're right. Hands on. Mm. And um, you just keep talking. I, I think the dialogue, and it, it's not even talking. Be be in his presence. Be mindful of his presence. Even if you're upset with him, tell him. If you've had a devastation, a disappointment, tell him. But you just keep that door open constantly, that, that way open. And that's abiding. And it one is. Of the, yes. And a lot of hope cracks through there, too, because I, it's interesting to watch the that sort of hollow theology of everybody who abides in Christ is going to win in this very sort of standardized way. Because right, right. Um, I understand, like, on its face, this feels like a good and an easy sell, because it is, of course, um, but it really actually... It, I, I've watched that break so many people's hearts. And I think about oh, yeah. uh, so many people that I love and that I have served and served with, that doesn't hold. That's not enough when it's you enough. suffer. And mm-hmm. you will, because that's the truth. That's, you will. That, you just will. So there is. it's not true that um, that being a person of faith is some sort of inoculation against pain or loss or suffering or failure. And so when those things happen which they will, then there's nothing robust enough to hold you in it. And so it does feel counterintuitive to have to hand yourself over to a God who says, hey, people are probably going to hate you. That's just a, I mean, he is thin in the crowd. Um, you know, sometimes I'm like, Jesus, you could have done, you could have tried harder. Like, <laughs> you really could have done a better job of PR. I mean, just <laughs> eat my flesh and drink my blood. What did that do yeah, to the crowd? But, this was hard to go over. But the thing is, as you're saying, in that wrestle, when you find yourself locked in 
um, it's, there's life there and abundance and joy and hope. And it's just, it's just, it's not the kind that the world sells us, but, but it shows up. It does not, show up. It, it does show up. And I, uh, this is where the fruit bearing comes in. And I, uh, this is an extremely important, this is a thread in the book throughout. And that it's is the next thing I wanted to talk to here. you about. It's my favorite okay, part of the good. book. Good. It's just basically to understand that it that life is not always going to be fun. It is not always going to be what you imagined it to be. Often will not be. It will not always go like you hoped it would. Mm-hmm. But the promise is this, and this is what just just honestly makes the blood uh, warm in my veins over this topic. The promise is it can always bear fruit. And so here's, I want you to go full circle with me here because no, no, we can't say that if you sign up for a life fully given, fully given to not only the affections of Christ, but literally abiding in those Mm -hmm. affections, that it will, it's it's always going to be a good time. But here is something you can know that when he does bear the fruit, there is joy in that fruit bearing. There is. And so, no, no, the thing that that caused it to be such fertile soil for you and may have brought about the biggest harvest of your life, maybe the worst thing you've ever gone through. But That's do not right. tell me there's not something about knowing that the enemy truly wanted to destroy you. And here you still are, that everything in you would have sabotaged every good thing that had happened to you. But here you still are. And after all of a, a life of thinking, I don't know what means anything, suddenly all of that has meaning because somebody got hope through your story. You cannot tell me that that can't be a high. That's right. I've seen that so many thousands of times now at this point in my life. It is, um, it's guaranteed. This is a thing that I know I can count on. I, 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 I know now at this point, which is a faith builder too. And it, it's a, it's a, it creates a resilience and resiliency in it, I believe, because once you've seen that bear forward that many times in so many circumstances through so many people's lives and sorrow and loss, you know, you can count on it. You know, that's how God works. You Um, do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so it keeps us. It keeps us in. It keeps us in, and I, I get to tell people, y'all. Let me tell you the be. I do not want you, either brothers or sisters. I do not want you to fear age. And one reason mm. I I don't is because the best part is what gets settled in your mind. And here's what I know that I could not have known when I was my daughter's age. Uh, with this kind of uh, certainty. And I certainly could not have known it at my grandson's age. I couldn't have even begun to know it. But here's what I know now. what, What I know is your God is going to be faithful to you. He's going to be faithful to you. Mm. And he's going to bring this strange joy. There, the Obedience will always lead to joy. Mm. It will. What you sow in tears, you will reap. If you will um, believe him, take him at his word, mm. and I, let that soil be watered with your tears. And you will, if you continue to um, walk with him, you're going to come out on the other side of it. And it is either going 
going to be on this planet or it's going to be in his presence, but mm-hmm. you're going to be waving those sheaves of joy mm-hmm. and it's going to be like nothing you have ever experienced because God, here's, here's, here's what I promise you. God's going to be faithful to you. Mm-hmm. He is not going to drop you. And when That's you right. think everybody else has forsaken you, there, there he is again. And mm-hmm. he just, he will not let go. It's so good. Oh, man, what a great conversation. The way that hits me now, as opposed to January 2020, it's like I heard a whole new conversation. Talk about pruning in my own life. When she talked about how vines get trimmed back, and when they do, they think they are dying. Oh, my gosh. And that the only reason why a grapevine ever produces a single grape is because it's under so much stress. It thinks it's dying. I can't deal. I, I, that sunk into my bone marrow, of course, after this year. Such a message for when you or me sustain a blow that we actually think is going to end us. Like we can't, can't get through this one. It's, it ended my family, right? Ended my marriage. Um, ended my, you might think it ended your career, your work, your place in the community, whatever. But that, that cutting back actually will increase our fruitfulness. Ugh. I actually hate that truth because it's true. I've, I, 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 don't, I don't want that to be the system, but it is. I've seen it in too many lives, including my own, that that painful cutting back to the point of death all of a sudden produces new fruit. Impossible without it. Ugh, my gosh. Um, I, I, I'm, that's a powerful forever teaching for me. And also like in light of what's been going on with Beth recently, as she has pointed out hurtful practices in the church, it was illuminating, was it not? As she talked about what happens to those who follow Jesus, she said, there will be people that will not accept you. Well, that is true. Turns out that's true. Like follow Jesus. I'm not talking about following the the rules or the church structures or the denominations. Follow Jesus, right? There are going to be places, she said, you're going to be thrown out. You're going to be misunderstood. Yes, You're going to have, she said, people withhold things from you because you follow Jesus. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right? Right? How prophetic that was. How prophetic it all is, her, her, her work holds. So I'm just telling you as someone who loves her, who is loved by her, um, I have taken great inspiration from her life. And I hope you do too. I, I've watched this and I went, yes, this is why I'm still here. This is, this is why I'm not going to throw the whole thing out because there are faithful followers of Jesus who are still clinging to what I think I know of him, right? It's, I'm not the only one who still thinks this is true, this weird way, ways of Jesus, the way of being in the world according to him. Her witness strengthens me. And I hope it does you too. You guys follow her if you haven't. Because also, golly, one thing I love about Beth, she is wicked funny. Like the kind of funny you can't teach, that incredible timing. When she goes funny, I can't ha- I can't deal. Like, and she does that a lot these days because the world is so absurd. Everything is so absurd. Um, she's as funny as she's ever been lately. And so you'll love following her. You will be inspired. You will be encouraged. She's exactly who you think she is and more. All right. Watching, watching and following her in this next new season, I know it's going to be profound and I know it's going to bear good fruit. All right, you guys, that's our Beth. Thanks for joining me today. 